0: You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Twelve Weight Podcast, I'm Jamin, and on the line we have Shane Claiborne. Good morning, Shane.
1: Good morning, my brother. Good to be with you.
0: And also with you. Now, uh, normally my associate pastor, Maisha joins me for these, but we only had so many microphones, so uh, <laughs> here's what happened. You were in Ann Arbor a few years back, and everybody knew that, like, I would love to just pick your brain for some time. And she just went up and sat with you during an entire uh during an entire lecture and I could see her like whispering to you the whole time <laughs> well <While> i <laughs> well I sat in the back and then my other friends went and got selfies with you just to just to be like, yeah, we all met them and you didn't so now I get to say in their face, I guess.
1: <laughs> uh, this is great, dude. Well, thanks for all you are doing out there. Hopefully, I'll get to see you out in uh, uh, your way sometime soon.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we've seen you out here a few times at Spring Arbor yeah. University and some other places, so uh, it's that's actually where I kind of first heard you, and ever since then, man, my mind's just been reeling. Every time you talk, I kind of learn something new that seems to completely reshape the way that I do ministry and the way that I think. So I really appreciate all you're doing.
1: Yeah, um, man, cool. I've had the same thing happen, so that's great. cool.
0: Excellent. Uh, okay, so here at our church in September, we're gearing up to kind of launch a new project. Uh, you know, we realize realized, like, in the church, it becomes very easy just to become a Sunday morning church. Uh, yeah. And, and when we started our church, 1208 Greenwood, we said... Let's not do that. Let's make sure that we are constantly, um, trying to get involved in the community. And here we are eight years later and we kind of look back and we're like, eh, we can see that we fizzled out in some ways. So we're kind of revitalizing things to say in September, we're going to change our service time. We're going to change everything. 4.30 doors open, five o'clock, we've got the uh, dinner that we serve the community. There is a devotional in that time. And then six o'clock, they're welcome to stick around for, uh, a service. So
1: boom, so church September 9th, huh?
0: Yep. So we're super excited about that. And, uh, we're just looking for all the help that we can get and kind of training us and helping us get involved in the community. And when I read your books and I, I hear you talk and I saw you recently at CCDA where they had even more conversations about, uh, you know, really getting involved in the community to make an impact as a church. I just thought you'd be the right person to, to reach out to. So It'd be great if you could kind of, uh, you know, illuminate us a little bit. Why, why does the church need to be communal in the first place, especially with everyone living so individualistically now? Uh, what's well, the importance well, there? Yeah,
1: first of all, it sounds like you're leaning in uh, to all the right places uh, to listen and learn. That's certainly what I, I've been doing. CCDA, the Christian Community Development Association, is uh, we're kind of children of CCDA here at the Simple Way, and uh, <laughs> uh, I, incidentally, you may know this, but it's the 30th anniversary of that that kind of association of communities and nonprofits around the country and uh, in Chicago this year. So we're all going to road trip out to Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's the first week of November uh, to, to join that, that uh, celebration of 30 years. So, yeah, I mean, and one of the things that um, Dr. Perkins, who's, who's kind of the, the, uh, father of CCDA. He's, he's kind of the grandfather of the movement in a lot of ways he's almost 90 years old now and uh, yeah. son of a sharecropper, you know, a powerful voice for the gospel and for community. And one of he's been here to visit us and one of the things he says all the time is this: go to the people, live among them, learn from them, love them, start with what they know, build on what they have. and in the end, you want the people to say we've done it ourselves. And really you know that that language you go the people live among them learn from them that, that that's gospel language you know that's the This idea of Jesus like uh, put skin on and moved into the neighborhood and lived among mm-hmm. us and showed us what God is like what love looks like with skin on you know so that's what we've been doing for 20 years here in our our little neighborhood on the north side of Philadelphia um, and um, you know I, I love this idea the dinner church and the the uh, we, we've we've said from the beginning uh here uh, the simple way that the gospels lived out of dinner tables and living rooms yeah. you know and and, and the, the gospel has to make its way into our homes um, and into our streets and sidewalks and neighborhoods uh, and that that vision uh really for us kind of emerged from the early church in the book of Acts where it says, you know, none of them claimed any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. They met in each other's homes. They worshiped in each other's homes. So that communal living is is the very stuff like I think we're made of. We're made in the image of God that reflects community to us. You know, the father, son, spirit. So this this community thing is where it's at. Uh, I think we're moving away from sort of the mega church to the micro church again, you know, and, and getting back to this idea that that we're made to love and be loved. And sometimes it doesn't happen in groups of 10,000. It happens in uh, groups of 12, you know. So, yeah. yeah, man, it's great. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. So as you guys try to figure out, you know, how you, okay, you say you say, you know, you move into the community, you get involved there. Um, what are some of the ways that you guys have found as you've gotten to know your community ways in which you could reach out to them? Uh, some of the stories that have come out of that.
1: Oh man, there's a million, you know, over, over two decades here, but, but really, uh, I'll tell you, the, I'll tell you one of the funny first ones, like we, <laughs> when we first moved in here, we were a little too like inward. I think some communities become, uh, a, a little, um, we, we get into a little bit of navel gazing or we, we end up talking so much about community that we don't really end up doing it. You know, so here oh, we yeah. are, we're starting this community. We got these, we all these strategic meetings and conversations about what we're going to do and what are our shared values and our core beliefs and <laughs> all those were good. But while we're cleaning the house, we bought this little, house uh on the corner and we're i mean it was man it was a fixer-upper as you'd say <laughs> you know like we're, we're fixing up there's just dirt everywhere and the dude like must have just smoked all the time there's layers of smoke we our walls change colors as we're, we're we're cleaning them you know <laughs> and, then, and then uh and then we were joking we're gonna find a secret stash of money somewhere and there i am cleaning the top shelf in uh this old uh store front that we have and, and i found a grenade Oh,
0: wow. Right? All I'm right. like,
1: Oh my gosh. So, uh, <laughs> we, you know, and I don't know if it's real or not. I can't tell, but I'm not about to mess around with this. Thing. So I, <laughs> you don't I want called, to find out. You know, I called the, 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 uh, police you know i thought i'll try to be subtle i'm like Can we found something we just need you come look at it and they're like no man that's out of our league you gotta call nine one one. so they brought the bomb squad they quarantined the neighborhood it was crazy so the the media came and they're like the house has a bomb and it Move, get out of there you know, so anyway that's how we met all the neighbors and i thought i thought it was beautiful <laughs> because it was kind of like god kicking us out of the house and bringing everybody together and I'm like so what are you doing on the corner there you know but but that was how i, I think for us that was such a good uh in entry point, you know, because we got to know everybody. I, I I don't think you necessarily need a grenade planted in your house, but I think we've got to realize that like this church thing exists for its non-members. It exists for something other than than just our own little community. And and it certainly is for us, but it's, you know, I think Jesus is so beautifully says, everybody in the world loves their friends and neighbors and people who are like them, but you're to love bigger than that. You know, you, you're to love even your enemies, but you're to love people who are different from you. You're to love across, you know, uh, the cultural boundaries. And he, he, he just models that and everything that he does. Uh, and specifically, you can see it at the dinner table. You know, mm-hmm. I, I often say, I, I think one of the most radical things that Jesus did is just eat with all the wrong people, you know, he's bringing, like <laughs> yeah. a tax collector and a prostitute and a, a Pharisee and a, a zealot, like revolutionary, all these people that would never share dinner fellowship are, are brought together and they're becoming a new creation uh, who that, that are entirely centered around Jesus and becoming more like him. So um, sometimes I think, you know, what's important, what's more important than what we eat is who we eat with. And and the more diverse our dinner table is, the richer our community becomes.
0: Mm -hmm. That's good. So all I need to do is put a grenade in my house and hope for the best here
1: yeah. that's why there's no anecdotes man yeah
0: <laughs> gotcha
1: no, no um, shortcuts or secret recipe that's for sure yeah
0: yeah yeah well i'm afraid to open my walls it's a hundred years old huh? if that's what you're finding in yours yeah i'll have to be careful on that um you know you talk about how the dinner table kind of brings us together across uh, uh all different kinds of diversities and social classes and whatnot i think of uh i think it's michael frost maybe who says uh the dinner table is like the great equalizer. Um, one of the things that we're hoping that this helps with is we've been seeing uh, as our town, uh, the town's been slowly picking up steam over the last few years. And now there's just this real sense. And, and some of us that there, there's going to be some gentrification that's coming along the way. And our church is kind of between four different communities. We've got the homeless one way, the middle class, the other way, uh, the poor another way, and then you go down another way far enough, eventually end up at the mansion. So, we're trying to figure out, you know, how to make sure that we can bring all these communities together and and try to uh, not let people just kind of vanish or disappear as the neighborhood gentrifies, but really kind of help people stay uh, in community and and plug into what we're doing. Do you? Uh, what are some ways that you find? really kind of brings everybody together it, i mean dinner we've said that uh do you find some other ways that kind of help really bridge gaps between different classes and uh, racism what have you
1: yeah well well first i want to you know say a little bit about this, this is a huge question you know i mean i think the gentrification question is a massive one um that that uh, warrants our time and attention and um Because what happens a lot of times is you have a bunch of relocating people, folks that are not from the neighborhood that move into a neighborhood with with the best of intentions. You know, they Mm want to... uh, b- build community within, they realize there's indigenous, uh, you know, leaders within the neighborhood. They're not coming with this sort of colonial Christianity, but they want to like, they want to live there. They want to be a part of the redemption story. And then mm-hmm. you start building gardens, you re- you know, you renovate abandoned houses, you paint murals, you do these beautiful things. And before long you realize, wow, the property value is increasing now that we don't have half of our block abandoned, you know, and things like that. And, and rather than everybody benefiting from the improvement of the neighborhood, uh, folks are displaced, you know, and, and then you look back, uh, 10 years later and, and, and the whole neighborhood's different. Um, and, and, um, uh, like there's, there's neighborhoods in Philadelphia that are, are just the, uh, you know, uh, uh iconic symbols, uh, uh, symbols of that, you know? Um, and so what we've, we've started doing is, um, we, we are trying on all levels to, to, Uh, secure, affordable housing, make sure that everybody is benefiting from uh, uh, new jobs and new opportunities within the neighborhood. Um, What that looks like really concretely is um, uh, things like mixed income housing laws, where you can't create all new kind of fancy studios or condos like there has to be affordable housing and all new housing you can't build a whole projects building of affordable housing like all housing is mixed with so that you know prevents having ghettos of poverty and wealth um mm-hmm. kind of uh um uh, in, in in different neighborhoods um and we've got a coalition called development without displacement because okay. we do want to develop, you know, jobs and uh, turn abandoned houses into homes, but we want to do that without displacing people. So, like the model that we're using is a really incredible model. It's been used uh, all over the country. Uh, that's connected to Fuller Center for Housing. So we've got a nonprofit called Simple Homes, and we we get abandoned houses fixed and we um the family our motto is we, we won't build a house for you but we'll build it with you and we each family does 350 hours on their own uh, home we finance it um, and hold the mortgage at zero interest so it you know cuts down a lot of the barriers to having a, a loan or mortgage you know and and we um, sell all the houses for thirty five thousand dollars or less um and so what that does is I, I think, you know, it kind of counters the, um, uh, the, the moves towards gentrification and sh- secures like, uh, affordable housing for people who most need it. And that's really our goal, you know, is owner occupied, dignified, affordable housing. So, I mean, you could do a you know whole six hour workshop or write a book Fun. on this, but that's kind of like stuff that we're learning. And it's stuff that you want to think about preemptively, you know, because the forces are so great that if you don't think about this, then, um, the, the, the kind of, general tide will, will turn, um, things a a different direction than maybe our best intentions would have had it, you know? Um, so yeah, those are a few things. Part of why we got into affordable housing was to try to secure housing for neighbors that need it most, um, Mm -hmm. and, and build up a neighborhood that we're proud of together, you know? So, um, and even the congregation, one of the congregations I'm connected to in Philly is called Circle of Hope. Mm -hmm. And, um, we've got whole small groups that are thinking and focused on just these particular things, you know? So there's an urban farming and urban gardening group. There's a, um, folks that are working just on affordable housing and, um, and and locally grown food you know things like that that are really good and so everybody's doing different pieces of this and that that's the gift of being a part of a, a community uh, as well and one of the things we say too is that it's not enough to be multicultural like we actually want to be anti-racist mm-hmm. um, and 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 that means like we've we've got to be really aware of how white privilege and different, uh, patterns of history continue to, uh, influence some of our systems and structures. So, um, that's kind of in the DNA of our community as well to, um, you know, we, 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 we don't just want like a, um, a soft, fluffy, um, community that's multicultural, but we really want to take on, uh, racism and, and, and policies that, that, uh, hold people down, man. We want to be a part of the interruption of injustice in our city. So yeah, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know it's a, a huge topic. You know, you can't just like, because it's a you know catch 22 on one hand, you want to see things in your neighborhood uh, grow in these ways. And on the other hand, you don't want some of the negative effects that come with it. So
1: yeah. And some of that, you know, is contextual to where you are, but like we, we've discerned this together. And some of the things that we've seen are if there's landlords that have ma- uh, like, like have bulk housing. So if you're renting more than 10 units, mm-hmm. then there's a special license to give back to the neighborhood, you know, to, to, if, if you have that many properties, we, you know, we want folks to be given back to the neighborhood. Um, So there's some structures that we're putting in place that, um, uh, and, and for developers that are flipping houses for a profit within a period of two years, there's a certain tax on those that, um, is small. I think it's less than 2%, but it creates like $12 million that goes towards affordable housing. And, and a lot of the developers are like 2% on our profits. Like that's the least <laughs> we can give back to the neighborhood, but, uh, that's why the conversations and the imagination become so important, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's conversations like that, a bunch of the stuff that you just said, you know, I uh, I studied to be a pastor, and they didn't teach us this kind of stuff, you know, it's like, <laughs> right, <laughs> I, right. I actually remember, you know, like my first year, just sitting in my office being like, what, what does this job entail? What do I do? I just read all week and then <laughs> preach on Sunday, and as I kind of started to catch on to the imagination of these things that you've been talking about in your book, I realized... Man, I've got to learn entire other languages, like legal jargon to try to understand how <laughs> how cities work and how rights work and these things. And I've seen some of the uh, interesting ways that, you know, you've gotten involved in peace. And that's a, another thing that we're talking about. How do we be peacemakers in, in our area and uh, as we bring everybody together across all these lines? How do we create peace yeah. in every avenue that we can? And uh, it was... It was your book, uh, you and Chris Haw with Jesus for President, that really just blew my mind on this. I had not thought about peace in any other shape or form, other than you know, peace and goodwill to men. It's Christmas time, things like that. Uh,
1: May uh, the peace of the Lord be with you. Yeah, yep, yeah, right.
0: Yep. And then after reading Jesus for President, I was just so shaken uh, on on understanding peace in a whole new dimension and what God expects of me when I ended up writing a, a book some time later, I wrote a chapter on peace that was 100 pages long because you had so shifted my mind and forced me to to consider this. So as we learn to engage peace, you know, there's a lot of stories in which I've seen you do that. Uh, stories like, uh, I believe you um, brought all the homeless together, kind of slept in a, a park, uh, a story like that. Is that Am I kind of on the right track here? Is that a story you well, can you tell? Well,
1: I mean there, there's a lot of different there's there's a lot, a lot of different dynamics, you know, to peace and mm-hmm. and um and you know, I even think of the like the 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 ancient vision, the Hebrew vision of shalom was mm-hmm. like this this uh restoration of things, right? So there there was like where, where 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 um everybody has the things that they need um and where, you know, I I, I think of um Uh, My my brother, Father uh, Greg Boyle out in uh, L.A., um, and he he says, nothing stops a bullet like a job. Mm -hmm. And so there's an economic side to this. I mean, there's a heart side to this, too. There's certainly – I mean, I I grew up – it, my dad was in, in the military. Um, I grew up with guns, you know, down South in Tennessee. I was, I was lethal to a squirrel, man. We went squirrel <laughs> hunting, you know, we went hunting and, and, um, and, and then you start to, um, look at our society, especially as I got outside of East Tennessee and saw how much we are plagued by violence. And even this idea that, that, uh, um, uh Walter Wink and others, you know, John Mm -hmm. Yoder, they talk about this idea that we, the myth of redemptive violence, you know, that we, we, we believe, you know, that we can bring change through violence, or that violence brings peace, you know. And Dr. King and so many voices have so has spoken contrary to that. And I think Jesus most powerfully shows us how we, you know, if we only need to look at the cross and see what perfect love looks like, as it stares evil in the face and it mm-hmm. it doesn't mirror that evil. In fact, it exposes that evil um, precisely through suffering, with love and grace on our lips. And so I, I think that there's a way to do that. That disarms the the violent structures of our world. I think that's exactly what Jesus does on the cross: is put violence on display, uh, n- not to obviously not to glorify it, but to subvert it. You know, to shame yeah. it, and to say, "Look at what we are capable of." We killed love. You know, and it's <laughs> uh, in the person of Jesus, hmm. and uh, and and as we continually identify with Jesus, like it it should make us less and less violent you know in this world and and uh, you know as jesus said blessed are the peace keeper peacemakers for they are the the children of god so what does that look like you know i think i think like for us it looks like it begins in our own hearts i think you know that we we try to train ourselves in the way of peace and uh, I, I think peace is a discipline just like war is Mm-hmm. to be peacemakers, just like we, we learn to be, uh, MMF fighters or whatever, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. we, 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 um, we, we are, um, uh, I think the word disciple shares the the same root as discipline for a reason. So we got to train ourselves in that. Um, and, and, and then I think understanding that there's this holistic picture that it's, it's, uh, uh, we are our, our government uses massive doses of violence, um, mm-hmm. to try to, to change the world or make it what it wants it to be. And, and, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King said so powerfully, I've told the kids in the ghettos that violence won't solve their problems. But then they asked me, why does our government use massive violence to try to change the world? And he said, I knew I knew that I could no longer speak against the violence in the ghettos without speaking against the greatest purveyor of violence in the world, my own government. you Mm -hmm. know you start to see why he got uh, a little (laughs) unpopular but you know i so i mean there's a lot of ways that we've done that you mentioned the the park i mean some of the most radical ways that we've done that are through um uh, uh, exposing these uh, unjust laws, like Philadelphia has passed a lot of anti-homeless laws. So our response to that, and you can appreciate with you, th- this with your your uh, new dinner church, is that we we said, well, it's illegal to share food with people. That's mm-hmm. insane. Like, let's challenge these laws. So we mm-hmm. had uh, communion services that were followed up by a potluck dinner, you know, in the parks. And that was technically illegal. In fact, we were arrested for it. We went to trial and we we ended up winning, you know, over and over and over on these laws. And we've been challenging them even in the past few years. Some of those laws have resurfaced and went all the way to a federal court uh, where we argued that that when we when we share food with someone, it's actually a sacrament. We believe it's holy and it's a part of our faith. And so we actually argued in the federal court that it is a violation of our religious freedom (laughs) to say that we can't eat together and we won. <laughs> so I think that's that's beautiful, you know, so that those things, I, I think that's why I say, you know, it, it is a radical thing to eat uh, with with uh, what society might deem as the wrong people. And and that's exactly what we've been challenged with over and over is when we attract the same people that Jesus attracted, which were often the marginalized and the vulnerable, like we uh, become a target, I think, of the, the, the places of power. I mean, from the very beginning, of our community we have been fighting zoning ordin- ordinances and everything else just for simply trying to take care of folks that are on the street and people that are addicted and create a safe place for folks you know uh, at one point we had to go to court because we were breaking an ordinance of they, they said we had too many people living together in community and uh um so uh, we said, what kind of law are we breaking? They said, it's a brothel law to prevent brothels. Yeah. And we're like, wow, we must be the first Christian brothel in <laughs> Philly, you know? And, uh, you know, and we, and we also said, and by the way, that brothel law is not working really well. If you want to show, we can show you, you know, a dozen yeah. brothels around here, but anyway, we fought in court. And, uh, in that case, it was awesome because our lawyer was a Jewish guy that was awesome. And he believed in what we're doing, represented us and our, the guy that we were up against in, um, with the city was a Latino guy named Jesus, and uh, his name was Jesus. So our our <laughs> Jewish lawyer would be like, "You guys better pray, because here goes the Jewish lawyer against Jesus, man." You know, <laughs> so, but, uh, we we beat Jesus in court. So we're still oh, living right. it here, man. But yeah, no, it's it's been, but I think we've got to we got to realize if we if we don't have some sort of collision with the. the the world that we're living in, are we really trying to live out an alternative? You know, are we trying Mm. to live out into a kingdom where the last are first, the first are last, the mighty are cast from their thrones, the lowly are lifted? I I think the very essence of the kingdom of God um, challenges the status quo of the world that we live in right now.
0: Man, that's beautiful. Oh, that that nails it down. Yeah. Uh, so, peacemaking. This is a, uh, you know, it's unique to every neighborhood. Kind of figuring out what you're to do, and you know, you can really tell that you care about it when you're willing to go to jail about it. You know, I, I remember growing up, I was taught, you know, only bad people end up in jail, and that's kind of the end of it. And uh, and then, you know, I I think you were like one of the first people outside of like Martin Luther King one of the first people I heard, like, you know, uh, going to jail over caring about these kinds of things. In fact, uh, there's a pastor in our conference here in the Southern Michigan Conference who went to jail with you one time a few years back, so that's kind of taught me, okay, yeah, uh, just going the yeah, we, distance to... We,
1: Dr. King, at one point, he said, "I, I, I at first, I I... Uh, you know, was, was a bit uncomfortable going to jail, but then I looked at history and, and saw what good company I have there. Yeah, um, <laughs> including you know, Jesus, you know, right? Like, so. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, half the apostles, the prophets, like uh, you know, Gandhi, Doctor King, Mandela. Like, I mean, you name it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. so, and I I think that's what you know John Lewis calls good trouble. That we you know we we tell I often tell some of the kids in the neighborhood you can go to jail for doing things that are wrong, and you can also go to jail for doing things that are right. Yeah. And 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 certainly not everybody you know may may end up going to jail. But but I think the point is that. We've got to live in a way that, that challenges these things that are holding people hostage. And, you know, those, those things that evolve out of our relationship, our love for our neighbor. What does it mean to love our neighbor as ourself? Um, I like how Cornell West says uh, justice is what love looks like in public, hmm. in public, in the public sphere. We, you know, so right now, I mean, we are challenging every day. Um, the 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 immigration crisis that our country is in, and that this is an an issue. Mm-hmm. These are neighbors that we know and love by name, mm-hmm. young people that are dreamers here in college, that their entire future is a big question mark, and they're living with so much uncertainty and anxiety, and and that it's so senseless that our politicians haven't been able to figure out. A way that people can become citizens, you know, here and and so uh, I've got a friend that's a pastor here in Philly for 15 years before he he was able to to uh, finally get his citizenship. So hmm. yeah, I mean that that's a part of loving our neighbor. Gun violence, you know we we've been melting guns into plows, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, literally inviting people to. We just had an AR-15 that we melted into a garden tool um, and, you know, inspired by the vision of the prophets, Mike and Isaiah, that God's people beat their swords into plows. And so I think all that to say, like, we as God's people, we are to live in contrast to this this culture where there is so much violence there is so much inequity and and even the vision this day, our daily bread is a powerful prophetic image that uh, everyone uh, should have everything that they need um, and that things like healthcare and uh, good education and affordable housing shouldn't be privileges for the people that can afford it. And, and, and such a challenge to those who can't. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that to us, it's what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. And we're praying like, what would it look like if, the kingdom of God came on Potter Street. Yeah. What would it look like if God's dream uh, came to Philadelphia? And, you know, we're pretty convinced that it's uh, not 30,000 people dying of gun violence on our streets every year. You know, it's it's not— uh, uh, more having so many people that we had 3000 families at one point on the waiting list for housing, you know, hundreds of thousands of folks that are facing deportation, uh, because we haven't given them a you know, a really a process to become citizen. So I, yeah, I, th- I think those are the things that loving our neighbor as ourself also means caring about the policies that affect our neighbor. And uh, you know, we we don't look to politicians to change the world, but we do try to um, be a conscience to this country to say, hey, Jesus said when you love the stranger. Um, when you welcome the stranger, you welcome me like that impacts how we think about immigrant immigrants and refugees, you know, like we, we, we want to be the people of God. And that, that, uh, that means that we welcome people into our country, that we welcome people into our homes and we are driven not by fear, but by love. Hmm.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, I, uh, yeah, I mean, this is all very inspiring. Uh, it's very helpful. What's well, fun, as man? We move I'm inspired forward.
1: by y'all. Well, let's do it again sometime. Uh, maybe I'll come out there for dinner. <laughs>
0: yeah, hey, for sure. <laughs> cool. Well, Shane, thank you for talking with us, and I uh, really appreciate all your comments today. Uh, everybody listening, go read all Shane's books. They're all wonderful, uh, and uh, your most recent one is still
1: "Executing Grace." Yeah, I just wrote it. It's about grace and restorative justice, and uh, you know, in contrast to the death penalty and capital punishment, yeah, it's a lot of stories of forgiveness and grace. And I'm, I'm writing one right now uh, uh, around the culture of violence and, and guns and uh, God and guns. But the, the title of that's uh, beating guns. And it's got the images, you know, of us uh, repurposing guns and turning them into other things. So we'll have that out uh, early next year.
0: Awesome. I'm excited to read that. Cool. Well, Shane, thank you very much for talking with us. Uh, I appreciate all your comments and uh, your help, and I uh, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.
1: Awesome, my brother. Yeah, and blessings on all the, everything that you're doing out there.